Welcome to New Kids on the Block. My parents said, never take candy from strangers. And then they dressed me up and said, go beg for it. Welcome back, everyone, to a new episode of the New Kids on the Block podcast. I am your co-host, uh, Mr. Fody Philochorus, and double, double, toil and trouble, fire, burn, and cauldron bubble, my other co-host, Mr. Yidu Wang. Yidu, how are you doing today? I am doing well, Fody. Uh, I hope you're having a spooktacular day. It's 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 October, my friend, or it's the very ass end of it, at least, where we're catching the end of of the month. It is um, Halloween, thus all of the Halloween related uh, kind of conversation that we're going to have today, which is not true at all. We're actually going to be talking about blockchain, but uh, it serves right. well. It's, it serves well for the gimmick. You know, you do. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it's probably a well, as long as we don't look at the charts, I don't think there's going to be anything scary. So I think we're, we're good. Yeah. And with that being said, uh, we have a very special guest um, that's joining us today. Um, I'm going to go with a, a Shakespearean one here. By the pricking of my thumbs, something wicked comes this way. Uh, Mr. Alex Stewart. Alex, welcome to the show. Thanks, Foti. I think I've been called worse. Let's put it that way. Um, <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much for having me on today and happy Bitcoin white paper day as well. Yes. As much as Halloween. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, Alex, I mean, um, you are uh, you're a colleague of mine. Obviously, you work in, in the kind of the data engineering space, but you have a lot of kind of experience, I guess, working more with companies that are trying to implement blockchain technologies or that already have implemented blockchain technologies. Um I guess before we kind of jump into the conversation, let's maybe just kind of quick background about yourself for the listeners so they kind of get a good feel for you and your credentials. Sure. So um, like most people, I probably found, you know, cryptocurrencies and blockchains through Reddit um, and probably looking back in the history of time, if I could dig out some old wallets, you know, investing in uh, race teams and Jamaican bobsleigh teams and so on with Dogecoin. But it actually became more of a serious hobby for me um, about 2015 and 16. And I was working at a, a big credit bureau. And actually, this idea of all financial data being public, if everyone went out and used Bitcoin instead of US dollar or Great British pounds was a, a threat for their entire, you know, entire space, really. So began to look from a much more technological side since then and have really spent a lot of the last few years both looking at some of the underlying technologies, so sometimes closed consensus networks like Hyperledger and or Hyperledger Fabric and Corda's uh, um, or Corda from R3, I should say, but also working with companies in the space as a kind of a specialist because I have gone under the hood. So cryptocurrency companies, some of those providers of blockchain services, um, companies working in the know your transaction space, really a, a wide variety of interesting users in that world. Yeah. And, and you're, you're a co-author of a kind of a financial services white paper that we have here. Um, and kind of, uh, at, at our company, um, you're 
also recently gave like a great talk about blockchain technology and how it, you know, how it, uh, how you can kind of extensively, you know, get data from other places off chain and marry that on chain. And, um, you've, you've really been digging in as they say. So, um, we really wanted to have you, uh, on the show and really appreciate you, you taking the time. Um, can I, ahead, can I ask you. a question? Yeah, yeah. So that's that's really fascinating. First of all, welcome to the show, Alex. I really appreciate you um, being our esteemed guest here. I, I just have a question as you were talking about your experience kind of sitting on the corporate side of things, like being having this knowledge. You seem to start off, you know, in the interwebs, if you will, and then you kind of um, merged into the corporate world. Uh, I'm just curious, how do you how do you uh, address or this perceived antithesis, antithesis uh, towards corp, what, what we call the corporate blockchains? Like people are like, oh, we should never have like a you know federated system. That's not a blockchain. Like what is, what is your opinion on people who question the legitimacy of a you know closed network blockchain? An interesting question and it comes up a lot. I think it's use case dependent. Um, the talk that was mentioned a second ago that I delivered at the conference talked about why you would choose an event streaming technology over a blockchain. And then once you go inside the blockchain, there's obviously considerations you'd make there. You know, how expensive is a transaction? How fast can the data be shared? And that's really where you know I tend to say I'm a DLT expert because A, it means people don't laugh at me. Um, some people kind of turn their nose <laughs> up at the word blockchain. But also, there's use cases where DLT makes a lot more sense. Um, so mm -hmm. distributed ledgers for things like building machine learning models between academic research groups. They don't need a million people to make sure their network is decentralized. They need eight universities with limited trust to share data between them. Uh, and that's where that space tends to be most popular. So still in finance, maybe some big banks in New York or in the city of London want to share a certain subset of their data. And they, again, don't want this on a public blockchain, but they want it in something they can control to share between one another with some kind of contract for access. Um, you know, those use cases exist equally logistics. Uh, we see this a lot as well. I probably don't want people to know where my shipment that's coming to my house, um, what it is and when it's turning up, but there's a high chance I do want FedEx or whoever to be able to track when it comes on a plane or a boat provider like Maersk, that those companies can share some data in that controlled sense as well. Yeah, de definitely not if you live in Camden, right? Because uh, then you don't you don't want people uh, uh, showing up and uh, to to your front door uh, for your Amazon package. That's for sure. Uh, shout out to all the listeners in Camden. Um, I mean, you do. I think I think what he said is like pretty uh, important, and I think it's important to reiterate to people like. Um, not the same, but equivalent is how the internet started, right? Like how did the internet start, right? It was research universities that wanted to communicate between each other, right? So I think that's, it, it, it's important to harken back to history because it does tend to repeat itself and the value of why technology is created in the first place, right? So um, yeah, those are great points, Alex. Did, did that answer your question, you cynic? You do, huh? Yeah, yeah, in a way. Yes. So, Alex, let's let's jump into kind of what you're what you're seeing out there. So, um, um, where where are you kind of seeing kind of the biggest growth usage in blockchain technology? Is is it mostly in in banking? Is that is that kind of your your view? 
Yeah, I'd I'd take a step back from saying banking because the mm-hmm. financial services space has way more going on in it than just um like you know your commercial banking or going down the road to your credit loaning company. But it's where the majority is at the moment. It could be trading equities, it could be trading an actual cryptocurrency, it could be trading or figuring out how to do um, like cross-border payments using things like stable coins, but the real focus around adopting blockchains does primarily seem to be with that group. The other big space that I mentioned before is logistics and some things that touch that as well. So I've been a, a long-time fan of a company called Everledger who are using the fact that every single diamond is unique as a way of almost having the the public key um, of you know tracking diamonds. And again, a really great idea of a network. Diamonds are traded around the world, have the I guess you could call them the, the, the like proof of stake nodes is those um, those diamond exchanges, but they're tracking that diamond from source to ring or source to jewelry. And that's just a really interesting use case that doesn't look anything like uh, trading Dogecoin on you know Kraken or Coinbase or whatever your preferred. Or Twitter, uh, right? Yeah, or Twitter. Um, <laughs> Lord knows what happens now that Musk's uh, in charge yeah. of that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Really different use case coming from a, a similar space. And there's quite a few interesting things I see happening. Looking a couple of years you know, ahead of now with some early stage startups um, that will open up new industries there as well. Yeah, and and uh, uh, the mischaracterization of topics is a as a theme for me on this podcast. So if you've if you've listened to anything, I, I do that a lot. So uh, yeah, thank you for clarifying, <laughs> Alex. Um, Yoda, I mean, you want to kind of dig deeper into kind of I guess the current state of the economy and and, and stuff like that, or you 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 may be on mute. Are you on mute? There so this are. is what happened when we don't podcast for a month. I just got rusty. Um, yeah, I guess you, you may be already um, getting into this a little bit, but what is your overall um, predictions, you know, with, with all the economic downturn we're seeing right now, like we're, we're definitely feeling the pinch, right, for the, for the crypto industry. We, we, at the heights of the crypto industry, we're at, what, $2 trillion. Now we're like less than what, less than $1 trillion. So it's a more than fifty percent drawdown. So given the the macroeconomic background, there's still war going on. There's energy crisis. What is your opinion on the impact of the general economic conditions on the blockchain industry? I mean, it's it's funny, almost uh, if slightly sad for me as a British person that you called out a trillion dollars uh, loss there. Because I think it was 60 days or 45 days our our former prime minister was in power and managed to wipe about that much off our bonds market. So to say, oh, you know, crypto's dead, it's down hot, you know, 50% from where it was last year. Well, that's happening everywhere. You know, a few of us work at tech companies and are probably heavily invested into those as well. Um, We're exposed to risk generally in this market. The Bitcoin white paper kind of promised that we'd be protected, but it probably wasn't expecting a, a major war, you know, trading issues happening around the world. It was just mm-hmm. trying to protect us from the banks messing up. And quite frankly, if you look at how the banks are doing, it's it's doing okay against them. Um, mm-hmm. It does look like institutional interest is still high, though. So I think crypto might just be getting boring, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. 
But, yeah, no, that's that's a good thing, I think, at least for the believers. Uh, so the non-believers out there or retail investors will probably be waiting around for the next cycle. I mean, let's be honest, this is a typical, this is the, the, I guess the interest curve kind of typically wanes down when we're in the middle of a bear, right? Um, so it's, Well, this is also the best time to build, right? Like yeah. nobody, there's very little interest on the, on the retail level. Uh, people can actually hunker down, you know, there's like still VC money being thrown around, not as much as what we had last year, but still there's those projects being built. I'm sure Alex, uh, yourself being one of them, so was trying to make a difference uh, on the project by project basis. So I'm personally pretty excited for that. Yeah, and I like that you mentioned VC money there as well. I think sometimes, and if you look at the start of last year, especially when there's a lot of VC money there, they're not real projects because you can come up with a good white paper and kind of risk it and people end up over-investing because it just looks cool. But in that the biddle or however you want to phrase it period people have to go and work on you know shoestring budgets they have to actually prove the value of their project it's where ethereum came from um, it's where a ton of other good projects have came from so i'm almost looking forward to see what comes out over this year and next year and and i guess to that point kind of talking about ethereum i think we we brought briefly up Elon Musk before, because how do you not either talk about Elon Musk or, or Kanye West, uh, I guess, once per podcast? That's like a little bingo card that we have. We have to at least talk about them. Or Dogecoin, which you already brought it's, up, which is great. It's written on a contract. It's, 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 it's in the constitution the of the new kids on the block. Yeah. Um, I guess I guess the interesting thing about the, the Musk-related news is how that kind of potentially brings... Um, more of a legitimacy. I don't know if it's more of a legitimacy, but maybe a promise of legitimacy for, for kind of web three. Um, and you know, they're talking about implementing payments, um, directly through tweets. They're talking about, um, you know, moving to a more kind of crypto native blockchain, um, decentralized, uh, architecture on the Twitter side, which is obviously one of the most popular websites in the world. Do you, do you, kind of view that like are, is web3 still a thing are you hearing that i guess with the companies that that you know that you work with and the use cases that you're surrounded with or is that still kind of just uh pie in the sky stuff i think it's interesting so you know i i mentioned like crypto exchanges and that's probably the on-ramp that most of us see a lot into crypto but there are other companies out there with like on-ramps to nfts on-ramps to buying nfts rather than just minting them that's one of the places where i do still hear people talk about web3 in industry because it's that transfer of data that's on the flip side why i don't still necessarily trust elon musk taking over twitter because it's probably the most decentralized centralized social media but it's centralized and the risk is always at the edge. And if the edge is very close to the middle, which it kind of is or would be with Twitter, I just don't see that becoming the future of Web3. I see something where you are producing the content yourself, you know, minting it somewhere else. And Twitter is merely the way you consume it because it provides a way of, you know, I think they were talking about subscriptions. Great. Twitter is the payment gateway to transfer that money to the person creating great content. But 
the tweet shouldn't be coming from Twitter. It should be coming from somewhere decentralized. So if I don't agree with Elon, my tweet still exists for perpetuity. Yeah, and shame on you for not trusting the guy who uh, wanted to to give up the Starlink uh, access to the Ukrainians. I mean, because he was having a bad day. So that's very cynical of you, Alex. And uh, you know, I'm I'm doing the finger thing over here where I do the. No, I think I think I think I think we're right to be skeptics about um, generally the direction of where that's going. I think he wanted to lay off 75 percent of the workforce, and we're also seeing twenty dollars subscription costs now for. Um, uh, just being verified on Twitter. So uh, that's that should be interesting. Uh, dropping hopefully sometime soon. Yeah, go ahead, Yoda. I, I just up? have a quick follow-up question. So you, you, said, yeah. you said that you, Alex, you mentioned that you don't think um, Twitter is going to be the um, kind of the the future, uh, the quintessential web-free application. Uh, but, but in your opinion, what would be? What would be like an ideal project project or product that could play this, this web-free you know, poster boy, poster child application, if you will. So I've seen a few things out there. For me, it's this idea of the the side hustle has become what most people, so I'm just, just about to hit 30 next year, like most people my age and a little bit younger, mm-hmm. uh, diversifying their revenue streams. And I would imagine the the big hitters you know normally gaming lands first so we've seen that with things like axie infinity and is there an option for me to transfer a game asset to other games i think from other sides it may be like how can i have fast income um so i think they're called super fluid but they pay by like the second or the microsecond and they can do that because of you know the flexibility that a digital payment method provides versus a traditional kind of bank transfer so something that aids people to have a side hustle versus something that just allows people to have opinions on the internet is more likely to be you know, what drives adoption. And from a social media perspective, I would expect it to be, well, something more like Reddit, who have also been adopting um, a ton of things in the crypto and blockchain space, where it's smaller communities who can scale um, rather than expecting 200 million people to all use the same rails in you know, zero days. So decentralized social media platform or decentralized, call it some sort of gig economy, um, mobile applications will be your, will be your bet. Yeah. Is that right? I think I think they're better than just centralized ways of dealing with decentralized technologies. Yeah, makes sense. Um, what what, what about? So I mean, in in financial services, just to harken back to that a bit, we are always concerned on security. I think the one thing that's been the most pervasive in the crypto space, at least, has been uh, the significant hacks that have been overgoing. So uh, I think I think uh, the crypto Yoda himself here made a bet with me on, on over and under two and a half significant hacks, I think, before the end of the year. I think significant hacks is what was it over three hundred thousand? That was was that was that what it was? I, I believe we, we put as a hundred million dollars. A hundred million. Okay, a yeah. hundred million. Change. Uh, Trump yeah. change. Yeah. I think we we'll already right. hit that by this point. It's not even the end of the year. Yeah. Right well, you said you said individual hacks. To be fair, that were over a hundred million, right? So that's what that was. Right. That we was already the, had that. the BNB. I think that that's that's definitely over a hundred billion. There's something else. So we probably already. 
All right. Well, but, so it, it makes it makes my point even better. Thank you, Yoda. Um, uh, Alex, I mean, is is that a significant concern on in your in your viewpoint on you know this this notion of and I, I think this is where kind of some of your your um, your talk, at least that you that you gave recently, was about, right? Which is kind of bridging assets together, right? Um, you know, Vitalik went out. I, I guess he kind of wrote like a pseudo white paper, talking about the concern of bridges and how it brings extra kind of surface area for hacking, right? As a potential to to get into it. I've been harking on the the, the fact that general security in the crypto space has been terrible. It's just generally abysmal, right? It wouldn't pass any standards for any any financial services related or regulated company that's out there. Are 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 you seeing that as well? And like, is that a general concern in in the field and in, in your experience? I think there's some nuance to that. I am definitely going to come right back to um, the problem we've had with bridges because I I think it proves the point. But if you think back to the the OG days of crypto you know how many people lost almost all of their money in the mount gox hack and how many other significant um well custodians of your of your cryptocurrency were impacted whether they were truly exchanges or some other piece and that's where all the risk was for like quite a while and they mostly have got smart you know dealt with some of that stuff better they've began to look at um having always oh, got this wrong so i'm gonna repeat it potentially but like mvp so having multi um multi-signatories in on wallets and we don't really hear with the odd exception we don't really hear about exchanges getting hacked anymore what we've seen repeatedly over the last year the last two years is these bridges being where the risk actually is and that's because it's basically github um you know, 12 people build a new DeFi wallet or DeFi tool or build something for a DeFi tool. And suddenly it has a trillion dollars of assets running through it or might be slightly hyperbolic, but people put way too much trust in way too much um, little testing there. And they just need that regulation or common sense to catch up with them. Yeah, that's, I think that's fair. Um, I think, I think, uh, generally speaking, I, I guess my concern about crypto in general, at least for mass adoption, has been on the usability side. Um, so any mechanism to basically communicate with something that isn't a centralized exchange, but, to, but is a decentralized exchange, um, it basically has you passing in UPC wallet addresses and stuff like that into a, a MetaMask um, and you have to consistently log in and, and out of that and disconnect your wallets. And um, the general security concerns I have there are, are pretty large. But I think, I think you're right. I think for the most part, we're not seeing Mt. Goxes anymore, right? We're seeing these entry points into, um, <clears throat> you know, the, the, the bridges that are, that are mechanisms to get, uh, uh, you know, cross-chain related uh, exchange going right across the, these different asset classes. So, um, it's interesting. In the way, in the way, I almost feel like that's like we're evolving, like as industry, because we used to be to Alex's point, like we, everything used to be centralized and we are all like 
at the mercy of the exchanges, whether it's Mt. Gox or, or Quadriga, uh, which, you know, you could argue it might be an inside job, whatever, right? Like we're so like pretty much at the mercy of these big exchanges, but now we're still getting these hacks here and there, whether it's DeFi, whether it's, you know, multi-chain bridges, we're just getting less, you know, influence. It's almost like it falls on the responsibility of the user to be, you know, self custodial so that they don't have to rely on these, you know, central parties to manage their coins. Again, not your keys, not, not your coins. So in a way we are transferring the risk from the from the from the big party level to the individual users. The risk is still there. It's just, you know, transformed and maybe to a certain extent I'd rather them to see to be felt on an individual level than a like a big centralized party because those are are more um, old fashioned risk, if you will. Yeah, I mean the the you know let's let's not call them hacks, but I think DeFi has got the biggest black eye um, out of all of this stuff because you know a top ten cryptocurrency was able to disappear overnight this year by just a little bit of financial manipulation on how um, these types of uh, algorithmic stable coins operate and 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 back up whole uh, you know so it's not a hack but it's it's a mechanism to to manipulate the underlying technology to otherwise destroy or erode asset potential. And whether that's happening with bridges or just really poorly drawn out architecture, I'm not here for it. I don't want to be a party to that. <laughs> yeah, um, we don't need to rehash the whole yeah, yeah. Luna situation. <laughs> uh, well, so um, I guess, you know, and it, that, that kind of lends itself pretty well to, um, you know, moving moving forward in, with with the conversation, a segue, if you will. Um, you know, there has been some advancements in in crypto. I think we we you know we saw ETH two point recently dropped. Um, you know, the notion of of sharding, the notion of Taproot for Bitcoin to kind of obfuscate some of the transactions a little bit. Um, what are your what are your thoughts on the new? you know, technical developments that we're seeing in, in the crypto space. And is, is that something that you are seeing as well in the field um, with, with use cases? Like, are, are you surrounded with the technical nuances of, of kind of how to interact with the blockchains or like, th does this type of technology matter to your customers? Um, just curious there. Yeah. To, to almost bounce back on the segue um one of the places we've seen people almost like hacking the protocol of the blockchain rather than hacking a specific blockchain um is like the idea of mev in DeFi. so that's maximum extractable value in uh, a proof of stake or maximum or mineable extractable value in a, a proof of work where people look at whether they can go back to an old block and find more value out of it. And it's kind of cheating people on the chain a little bit because it's starting to play with, well, extra margin you can get at the risk of stopping people from fully utilizing the tool. That's been known about for a fair few years now and Ethereum's only just catching up with it. Um, as So apparently by next year, it may be vastly reduced, but at the time being, it's about a 7% extra yield for someone who's staking, um, just to give an idea of the kind of extra value there. So I think some of the cool new things that are coming into to Bitcoin um, with stuff like Taproot or as ETH becomes more uh, 
available of having sharding and level two options. I do wonder how quickly they'll be valuable to the majority of us because the space is full of engineers and they are coming up with new ways to cheat it um, before we're necessarily coming up with new ways to fix it. Although on that point, definitely excited about some of the things I did mention uh, in that list. So ju just, yeah, I, I agree with 100%. And just to driving a little bit deeper on the on your point about MEV, uh, I'm not really an expert on that, but my based on my very cursory understanding, uh, it's, it's kind of like a dark forest, right? Like basically Can you explain you cursory to me? Um, because you guys are a lot smarter. And uh, no, go ahead, continue. Basic. Okay, my gotcha. basic. Gotcha, I'm, gotcha. I'm very basic when it comes to MEV, but it's 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 almost like it's such a wild wild west, right? This literally the, on the frontier of the Ethereum network, like where basically there's like people arbitrating against each other, and there's a lot of like you know, basically what they call sandwich sandwich attacks, where you there's a transaction, there's a sell order, and then you basically front run that sell order using a bot to try to, you know, get ahead of it so that you don't have to pay, uh, you can you can pay for the same coin for lesser price, right? So that's my understanding yeah. of MEV. But my, my question for you is, is that is that really an ethical question or is that a technology question, right? Like you can, because technically, or theoretically, you can have anybody design any bots to front run anybody. Um, you can say it's cheating, but that's really the reality we're dealing with. So my question for you, Alex, is where do we draw the line between, hey, this is unethical, this is not, this is this is like stealing from people versus this is just a technology edge you can gain by being smart and being like super high tech. Sure. I mean, yeah, it's arbitrage, right? People build bots for this in other markets you know um, like just normal fiat currencies mm -hmm. i guess to bring it full circle it's recognized as a revenue stream by some of the customers i have in the blockchain space you know there are people who host blockchain infrastructure in this space as well and for them it's an additional revenue stream while it's still there there's a chance that some of the ideas of having you know like parachains or having level two chains means that if everything is hidden in a a kind of a Merkle tree and you can't tell what the transactions are and they're just ticked off, then actually they're going to lose that opportunity and that security will come in. But what does that provide to the rest of us who do want to make sure our transactions are more secure or do want to have a way of hiding PII, personal information that we do want to send over a chain for some reason? So there's an ethical <laughs> decision about, well, almost all ways of making money. But I think there are also some technical considerations that will influence where, especially Ethereum, but where other chains want to go as well based on this. Mm. Um, will people accept minimal arbitrage on the basis of an efficient network or do they actually want to see their funds being used to fund the decentralization instead? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's a very important question to ask. I think I think right? the 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 answer is they want the money, right? Uh, uh, <laughs> that's always the answer. <laughs> you know, you know, uh, is for everyone who does not see the video here. He's rolling his eyes at me <laughs> on the call uh, because he doesn't like my very uh, centralized uh, viewpoint and perspective on a lot of these things. But uh, point taken, Yoda. Um, 
uh, Alex, that was very eloquently put. Um, I think, um, as we kind of switch gears here a little bit, uh, just curious on kind of what projects out there you're personally kind of keeping an eye on, um, and any, any personal chains or technologies that you, that you're interested in, Alex, I guess, in the, in the, in the context of the conversation today. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, an, I wouldn't go as far as saying an Ethereum maximalist, but they have the the market saturation to really prove that this works or not so i am a supporter maybe the politest way of saying it for seeing where ethereum goes over the next few years at least we touched on some of the the benefits that are coming there like will sharding allow much faster throughput will zero knowledge proofs and all those kind of things um, make level two uh, offerings you know more interesting that's all going to be really interesting to watch going forward. Personally, and I'll call back to my presentation again for a bit of self-promotion, um, Chainlink's a really interesting project to me, especially as we have potentially like DeFi protocols and other protocols out there that need to be able to look at fiat markets or um, you know order books for centralized exchanges. There needs to be a feed of data it was the same when I was at a credit bureau in the fiat world. They were collecting fees of data and providing some enrichment to someone else. And I do see that as being a, a market we need more and more. Also calling back to that need for people to have side hustles earlier. If there's data that I collect day to day and I do want to present it to a business, doing it in a traceable way seems more valuable to me than doing it in a untraceable way where I don't know where that data has gone. Obviously, a ton of GDPR problems come up for us Europeans that you may not have to worry about on the other side of the pond uh, with things like that. But Chainlink's definitely a, a one to watch for me. Potentially not to make a ton of money as a cryptocurrency, but actually as a true technology itself, I think they'll be sticking around if they can prove their value over the coming years as an oracle um, for, for other chains. I knew there was a reason why I liked you, Alex. And uh, I think it's been cemented now. Uh, yeah, obviously Chain Chainlink is is one that's near and dear to my heart as well because it solves a problem. I think that we similarly try to solve right in our in our day to day kind of technology lives, right? Which is how do you how do you kind of bring data from closed systems uh, together um, in an intelligent way, right? Um, in a in an almost in an event driven way, right? Um, and I think there's some, some, some cool stuff that, you know, that we're doing on our side, at least with being able to, to scrape, um, you know, some Ethereum related transactions and, and do some logging and some interested kind of data, data driven, um, monitoring around, uh, and, and health around, uh, networks and systems, which is cool. And I think, uh, I think Chainlink's there. I, I don't think, I don't think you do is as, as, as bullish on on chain link as as we are but uh you know well uh, i'm a i'm a i'm a eth maxi so i think alex really bridged the two gaps here because there you go Bodhi is a, a chain link maxi and i'm a ETH maxi so. <laughs> i'm not a chain link maxi i'm just find me another oracle that's out there um and i'll be happy to support yeah, it I, uh, I, no, I, I, I don't i think chain link is definitely going to be around you know it's it's the middleware it's the really the infrastructure layer of, of blockchain. I mean, those things tend to be more long lasting compared to your application level um, protocols. So 
yeah, I mean, I, I don't have any problem with Chainlink. I think they're going to be around for a long time and hopefully uh, for many cycles beyond. Yeah, I mean, everyone needs plumbing because uh, if not, there'd just be uh, poop everywhere, right? Uh, as they'd say. So, um, Alex, I think uh, um, we're we're jumping all over the place, and you're you're being a great sport. So, thank you. We're we're a little eccentric here. It's just like being in my own head. What's <laughs> there and what's there? <laughs> That's great. Um, I think you you kind of talked about it before uh, the erosion of the bond market in the, in your country. Um, in the if, if anyone was unaware of uh, Alex is is from the UK. Uh, if that didn't come across in his accent, um, so Alex couldn't tell. Yeah, if you couldn't tell, uh, if you don't know now, you know, as they say. Um, the 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 introduction, or I guess the the short lived. I think it was like a 40 day PM, uh, uh, introduction for the, for the previous PM. I won't even, I won't even say her name on this podcast. Uh, but <laughs> the new PM that came in, uh, uh, Rishi Sunak, uh, on the UK side is very forward thinking. Uh, I think as he was a formerly the finance minister, if that's accurate. Um, yeah. And he has a lot of kind of forward, forward thinking views, especially when it comes to crypto and, and Bitcoin. Um, what are what are kind of your your initial thoughts on that? Is does that bode well in general from a regulatory perspective on on how the UK is is looking at at crypto as a, as an asset? Yeah, I think first and foremost, he's he's built his I guess persona in politics around pragmatism. So in general, if he's talking optimistically about blockchains and cryptocurrency, then that means it's probably a good sign because he's not just trying to ride a hype train, hopefully. The approach that went through politics or through our, our House of Parliament um, while he was in his previous role was quite interesting to look at. I think a lot of people saw it as, oh, we're going to become a tax haven for crypto investments like we've seen in you know bits of the Middle East and so on. I was a boring person who read through um, a lot of what was written in that report and it wasn't touching that at all. What it was looking at is just the same way that our FCA regulate banks um, and that we have uh, within that also some e-money companies. So they actually do, in many cases, represent an equivalent of a centralized exchange. So uh, I think one's called Zigloo, who are like a, a Revolut, but just for crypto. His idea was, well, can we do the same with stable coins? So if I want to do fast cross-border transactions, can we say that Circle is an approved um, stable coin provider? And then that will be able to interact with the Bank of England um, as our kind of central national bank so that people who want to do cross-border payments can do it as effectively as possible and skip some overhead there. It's almost a counterbalance to the EU regulation around this, um, the MICA, which was about checking as much as possible on chain. I think this is about saying, let's see wh- wh- how we can regulate which chains are okay, and then we'll work out from there. So it may centralize um, which blockchains become available to people, but it will probably allow us to build out an economy, almost revitalize our, our finance sector a little bit and move away from just having, you know, what is now Canary Wharf and a very central London, which is full of a bunch of banks and be a bit more distributed as a a country, but also the technologies they're using. So say goodbye to some of the mainframes I worked on many years ago. 
Yeah, I think I think uh, your your what was it, Yoda, that you really liked um, from Alex's LinkedIn? What was the what was the quote? I think Do you it's remember? something to the effect of, of that you're too old, you're too old for mainframe. You're too young for main mainframes, but you're too old for is it Web three or something? Oh, blockchains, yeah. Blockchains. Like too old yeah. to talk about uh, blockchains. Too young to talk about mainframes. There it was a go. quote yeah. from a, an EOS hackathon about five years ago, and I've owned it ever since. That's like that. that. That's like great. That. Yeah. Um, so I think, I mean, I, I mean, clearly Alex, you're, you're plugged into the, to the matrix, my friend. I mean, you're, you, you clearly are, uh, pretty well versed in a lot of what's going on, I think, which is super helpful for, you know, uh, some of the commercialization of this market, right? Because, um, it's really tough to not only find people who have distributed systems knowledge, right, from a technological perspective, but also understand, you know, the financial related use cases and also understand distributed ledger technology, blockchain, crypto related stuff, right? Like, that's a very difficult person to kind of mold together into one, you know, functioning human being. So kudos to you there. I guess I'd like to give you the opportunity to kind of just, is there anything that we, you know, kind of didn't talk about today that you're that you're interested in, in, in bringing up on the pod? No, I guess more as a message um, mm. that there's, I'm always going to turn up to these kind of things and write white papers and give talks that sound very industrialized. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's a ton of really cool stuff going on in the space that I would never touch in the day job. And just because of my experience, I end up falling back to the really boring financial systems. And I don't want to talk about international settlement with my friends either, but it just happens by accident. <laughs> <laughs> like the, when we talked at the start about this being a bit of a down market, but it's a great time to build. This is a really good time for people to go out and find cool projects and you know fun things that are actually worth doing and then worry about the next bull market when you can become a, a trillionaire, but the coin's worthless anyway like have that fun later on this is a really good time to actually find those projects while they're they're still in the their grassroots stage and just ride them up to where they become successful where they become popular and not worry too much about the underlying you know value associated with it as long as you're learning that's where you're getting the value back from well that's great very well said alex and um, really appreciate you you coming on today. Um, I think we have a couple minutes left, and in true New Kids on the Block fashion, what I like to do is introduce something to the show that was never on the agenda at all, because uh, I think it's just fun. It's a fun thing to do. So I think what we're going to do for the last segment, if you're up for it, is we're going to do just a quick word association game. So I'm going to throw out a couple of, uh, of, of kind of topics out there, and you just give kind of a one-word visceral response on what you think uh is is representative of each of those things does that does that sound okay sure sounds i mean i'm sure it doesn't sound okay but what are you gonna say what are you supposed to say you're not gonna say no right i mean come on let's go (laughs) um so let's jump into this with the word association game uh to wrap up the show today um first word is well multiple words dogecoin Oh, that's actually harder than I think. <laughs> I need a raw shack of just the coin. I mean, memes. memes. Memes is the first word. Memes. That's great. Um, Elon Musk. He turned that Difficult. smile right upside down. Dif- difficult. Okay. Um, distributed ledger technology. 
the right word. Okay. Ethereum. The future. Liz Trust. I'm playing to one side of the crowd there. Ooh, not the future. <laughs> <laughs> Asset bridges. Risky. Mm, that's how I would have said the exact same thing. Okay, last one here. The economy. I'm not going to swear on this podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's I all you're think, I think you summed it up quite well there. Um, this has been uh, Alex Stewart on the New Kids on the Block podcast. Yoda, while we wrap up here, I uh, want to take the opportunity to really thank Alex. Um, Alex, how can people kind of interact with you? Is it is it Twitter? Is it LinkedIn? What's the what's the best way to kind of um, reach out to you and, and, and conversate? Yeah, I mean, first of all, thanks for having me on, guys. It's been a, a great chat. Good fun. Um, always happy to have people reach out on LinkedIn, uh, where I'm AJF Stewart, and that's S-T-U-A-R-T for the Stewart part. Um, but if you find me bouncing around a Discord or a Slack community as well, you know, reach out. Um, I'm in too many to keep track at this point. May not have passwords for them anymore, but <laughs> if I don't respond, that may be why. Absolutely. Thank you. Yoda, anything to say in closing? No, just just really appreciate the opportunity for you to come on, Alex, and and do some mind melding with you. Looking forward to potentially talk to you more. Maybe we can collaborate more in the future. And uh, just in just in closing, I think we we came in with Shakespeare. I think we'll roll out with Shakespeare, ladies and gentlemen. Hell is empty, and, uh, and all the devils are here. Have a happy Halloween, and we will catch you all uh, for an, another episode of New Kids on the Block. Thanks, and have a great one. Take it easy. Thank you.